0: What's going on, coaches? Uh, if you haven't yet, go check out the website, runthepower.com. Coach Walls just added a brand new series uh, for our premium members. Premium members are 12 bucks a month is all it costs. Uh, right now, we've got three separate series. Uh, one, which is RTP install, where Coach Walls is a little more uh, serious, and Coach Walls installs our offense for you guys. Uh, and then I've got one that's OL Film Room. I break down some All-22 film that I've got um, of, of some colleges, break down some O-line and, and some run game stuff. And then Coach Walls has one called uh, Film Room Long Handoffs, where he breaks down some some different passes and, and things from some All-22 film that we've got. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully you guys are enjoying it. Uh, go check it out. Uh, it's a great value. We think we're trying to add two or three more series here by the, by the next uh, month. Uh, The goal is, you know, kind of have a a Hulu for football coaches. When you guys are bored sitting in the house, uh, we want to have some good football that you guys would want to watch and and put it up there for you guys to see. So uh, you guys go check that out at runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought by the powerful Sideline Power. Sideline Power is an industry leader in coaching communication. Offering cutting-edge technology and innovation, Sideline Power helps coaches around the country elevate their program to the next level with new and used headsets, end zone cameras, drones, portable sound systems, timers, and much, much more. Sideline Power works one-on-one with some of the most influential coaches and nationally ranked programs in high school football. Throughout the expansion of their product offering, Sideline Power has remained committed to offering quality coaching communication at price points for every program. They're family owned and operated with a customer first mentality. Sideline Power is truly the number one choice for coaching communication. Visit them at sidelinepower.com, email at infosidelinepower.com, at or just give them a call, 800 496 4290. This episode is also brought to you by Powerlift. We don't just like Powerlift because of their powerfully awesome name, we also use Powerlift at Broken Arrow and Ankeny to design both of our facilities. Powerlift is a trusted program that has designed the University of Oklahoma, Iowa, Baylor University, and modern day high school's weight facility just here in the last few years, along with obviously many, many more. Let PowerLift take your unique needs and use them to design your state-of-the-art facility. From concept to completion, choose PowerLift. Powerful ideas, powerful results made in the USA. Go check out PowerLift at power-lift.com. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Justin Grandinetti. Coach Grandinetti is the passing game coordinator and wide receivers coach, and the recruiting coordinator at Jack Britt High School in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Listen as we talk with Coach Grandinetti about his coaching career and some insight and thoughts about teaching leadership, life skills, and learning skills to your athletes. You can follow Coach Grandinetti on Twitter at Coach underscore G32. Hope you guys enjoy. <laughs>
1: no doubt um you know like coach wall said him and i got a chance to you know kind of uh you know hook up via twitter and um first time we chatted man we probably talked for what coach probably about an hour and a half and you know just you know talking to ball and you know like you said the leadership stuff which i you know i'm a huge fan of um the stuff he's got going on and you know things i'm interested in and you know it's just great to be able to talk to you know people who are you know equally as passionate um not only just about football but just you know when you talk about when you talk to people who are just passionate about something um you can really you can really feel it and you can really tell and you know I kind of gravitate towards you know people like that and it's great it's great to be able to you know chat chat with you guys because you know once again two two guys who are super passionate about what they do in the game of football and you know and, and bettering kids and and all that so it's awesome
0: that's really cool you say that. I don't I, I don't think I think I miss that a lot of times and, and I always say, you know, I really like guys that are passionate about football or about teaching or about you know growing you know young men. But really like you said, it's about just I like people that are passionate about whatever they're passionate about. They're a hundred percent full in and that's all you know, they're they're locked into whatever it is that they that's their thing.
1: Oh, it's great. It, it really is. And you can and you can totally tell um, you know, the difference when someone who is passionate starts talking about whatever it is they're passionate about, like, you know, you can like their, their voice maybe changed a little bit, or, you know, you can just kind of feel the emotion that, you know, they, they're just exuding from, you know, just enjoying talking about whatever it is they, you know, they're passionate about. So, you know, people usually, you know, get that vibe from me when I start talking about coaching or teaching and things like that. And, you know, man, you can, I can really tell that, you know, you're into this because, you know, just by how you talk about it. And I, start, I guess I could start rambling just because I love talking about this
0: stuff so much, you know what I mean? <laughs> that's, that's right. And that's the other cool thing was, like, uh, I was just thinking about this yesterday, and, and I, we do it, you know, almost every Monday, but we're doing the Hog Football Chat, and it's just like, how easy is it to connect now with people? Or you have a question about anything, or you want to bounce an idea off of another coach that lives, you know, in wherever. I'm in Oklahoma, and they live in California or, you know, yeah. New York. You can talk to both those guys and, and get whatever you need where – Um, you know, I've kind of always grown up in the information age, I guess, but uh, I know like walls, I'm sure when you were a little bit younger, uh, you know, (laughs) it just wasn't as readily available.
2: No, it was was super hard. I mean, and and back then it was all, you know, the VHS or maybe you get a DVD and that was the the funny thing. You go to these clinics and guys like, oh yeah, Hey, I'll, I'll shoot you a DVD or, or half the guys, you know you meet some of these older coaches, they wouldn't know how to burn a DVD. So, you know, you try to <laughs> try to get a hold of a, of a GA or something like that, and you'd send them a, a copy of your DVR and all of a sudden, you know, they wouldn't send it back. It was just, just miserable. But now with the internet and Google drive and, and, you know, literally just calling a dude up on social media, I mean, you get it literally every single day, some guy from some other state, Hey coach, here's my, here's my number, you know, can you send me this or can we talk about this? I mean, makes things so much easier and there's literally no excuse. I mean to to be ignorant today, I think about, you know, scheme or, or leadership or whatever it might be, that, that's your honestly your own fault. Because there's so I, much information yeah. out there that y- you're just you're just being lazy or you're just ignoring it.
1: I completely agree with that and it's funny you say that cuz um uh my buddy that I work with uh our DC and and even you know we've been seeing it on Twitter and it's like, you know, people have been posting lately just ironically enough how you know, as coaches, we need to continue to improve and better ourselves. And if, and if you're not doing that, then just like you said, you're being lazy. It's so, it's so available in so many different platforms from so many different areas. Like, there's really no excuse at all whatsoever. You know what I mean? So if you are, and, uh, you know, I was listening to your, uh, your guys' podcast this morning with Coach Grayball, and just, you know, do you really love football? Like, do you love it? Or do you just, you know, are you you just kind of saying it? You know what I mean? I could sit here and say I love football, but am I putting in the extra – like, am I doing the research on my own? Am I reaching out to coaches to better myself? Like, what am I doing to really prove that I love the game of football or or I'm passionate about coaching? You know, if you are, then shoot, man. I mean, you're constantly looking to better yourself. That's what what we expect from our kids. We expect from, you know, our kids to constantly push themselves and and continue to improve. So if we're not doing the same thing, you know – and I guess, you know, the passion is kind of in question.
0: That's exactly right. You, you know, you become a hypocrite. And and to me, uh, those are the first coaches that I couldn't stand when I was a player. I mean, I didn't <laughs> like the guys that were like, Hey, you need to be here for workouts. And you need to be here on time, <laughs> yeah. and you need to work hard. And then I never saw the coach at workout. I never saw him working hard at his job, even though I'm sure he did when he wasn't around us. But I'm like, well, don't, you know, don't hold us to that standard if you're not the one doing it. So uh, I want to, things that I always try to do is if I'm going to ask, you know, my guys, and I, I'm sure all the – a lot of good coaches around uh, do the same thing, but if I'm going to ask my guys to do something, um, I'm, I better be willing to do the same thing I'm asking of them. And then kind right. of to, to your other point about how cool – you know, it, it was in the middle of – it was about to start the playoffs, and we knew a team was coming up, and we knew they were going to um, – they were going to pick our center when he's blocking back, and they did some really good stuff. It was it was awesome. I got I tweeted, I got to DM Coach Riley over at North Dakota State on like a um, well, Wednesday or a Thursday. I get a message right back and he's like, hey, call me in 10 minutes. So I call him and he took like 45 minutes out of his day in the middle of doing something. Okay, there's these four things. These are all the four things we tried. Um, this team did it to us over here at North Dakota State a few weeks ago. Here, I'll send you a couple clips and, and show you kind of what we worked in practice. It was it's really cool when you find some of those guys that just love football and they're open to, uh, to anything you ask for. You know, if, if you really do care about football, they're going to help you out and help you become a better coach as well.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's what, honestly, just makes, makes this the greatest profession, in my opinion. You know what I mean? I, you know, I haven't, uh, you know, coached many other sports, like, on a really super, super competitive level. But I just know from, you know, just the football you know, uh, community and, and, you know, the coaches fraternity, I guess, in a sense that, you know, people refer to, it's just, everyone's so willing, you know, to help each other out. And I just love that about it. And the connections you make, I mean, like you said, you can, you can reach out to whoever. Um, and, and, and you know, for the most part, people are super open to just, hey, man, you know, absolutely, I'll, you know, we can chat about this, we can chat about that. I mean, you know, I, I hit up coaches and, you know, wanting to learn more and better myself. And, and they're so open, you know, of course, you know, people are busy, so you know you have to match up with certain times and when, when people get a chance. But the willingness to do it, I think, makes you know what we do, and you know it's just so much fun. You know, like if you if you're passionate about teaching, then you're also passionate about learning. So like, this is the perfect avenue for you.
2: I think too. I mean, a, a couple of things <clears throat> within that passion and the willing to learn. Um, the, the more that you can teach and like you know, say. What it is you believe in, what it is you you want to coach up, what are you know, what are your coaching points? To me, that shows that you're you're mastering your content. So mm-hmm. you know, I, I think it's another thing, guys that maybe are, are aren't as willing to to share things. Maybe they're a little bit insecure about it, or maybe they don't know it as well as they think they do. Um, right. I think the other thing too is is you're talking earlier about you know you and Coach Harper about you know guys that. <clears throat> you know, put their money where their mouth is, you know, Hey, we ask our kids Mm -hmm. to do this and, and we do that. That's one of the the number one things I'm learning in my new job uh, for, for kids in education and whether it be coaches or whether it be a kid in your, you know, astronomy class, but your credibility as a teacher is like super, super important. It's like almost one of the top things that that's going to make you an effective coach or teacher. If you are not credible and you're saying things that you're not backing up, those kids are going to mm-hmm. shut down and, and call you out as a cheater or a fake person almost instantly. So no, it's no a doubt. couple things that you, you guys have really, really hit on that's been really, really big for me this off season. And you're finding out a lot of, you know, research base behind, dude, you, you got to be credible and you got to be someone that we
1: could trust. Oh, that's, that's a fact. And, you know, once again, just to uh, refer back to, you know, the the podcast with uh, coach Grayvall is, you know, I think he was, you know, kind of hitting on that point where it's like you know you gotta you know it you have to back up what you say for sure you know what i'm saying and you know if the credibility is big and you know at the end of the day and and i believe he was talking about how you know kids aren't stupid and you know i think some people take advantage of that or or assume the opposite but not only you know are they really you know a lot smarter than a lot of people think but they pick up on just about everything so they can smell some BS from a mile away um so if you're not on your P's and Q's man they're gonna know and then you know you might not get um you know that ultimate respect that you're looking for if you're you know in a sense kind of going about it the wrong way or or or, you know like you said not being as credible um as you say you are
0: there's no doubt well well coach um let's go ahead and, and and kind of learn a little bit about, let our listeners learn a little bit more about you, kind of uh, give sure. us a rundown of, of how you got to where you are now, and, and kind of, sure. uh, you know, your life story, if you will, uh, shorten down as as it pertains to football.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm originally from uh, Belfort, Long Island, in uh, you know, in New York, and, uh, you know, played for a, a legend out there in Coach Sip, and, um, you know, just love you know, love being a part of a small town. It was a small town, but the, the tradition was super proud and, and the football program, I mean, they just, you know, just ran the town and, you know, really. So it was awesome to be a part of that. Um, got to play with a lot of great dudes and, 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 you know, play under some really awesome coaches, coach Sip, coach Still, coach know a bunch of these guys. And, um, you know, I, I really started to love, you know, I, was, I loved it. And um, it's funny because after, after my, my senior year, um, I was I don't know. I was so focused on, you know, academics and just kind of owning my, like my goal or my dream was to own a business. So after high school, I kind of just focused on academics. I went to St. John's university and uh, it was just focused on there. And, you know, the, the summer before I went to St. John's, um, my buddy, uh, Matt still had kind of, you know, he had asked if I wanted to help out with the JV team, his JV team for the summer. And that was kind of like my first ever bit of coaching. Um, and it was fun. I I enjoyed it, you know, never thought that it was something I would end up doing, but uh, it was just something that I enjoyed. And fast forward a few years and I'm at Pace University and it's around 2008, um, and they were looking for, for some assistant coaches and the same dude that kind of hooked me up with that little JV kind of gig over the summer. Um, I hit him up. I'm like, hey man, they're looking for coaches. I think you'd be awesome. I was like, I'm, you know, I'm cool with the AD. I'll talk to him. Blah blah blah. Um, end up getting an interview. He gets hired. Maybe about two two weeks two weeks before their camp starts. Um, their receivers coach end up hit, ends up taking another job. So he hits me up and he's like, hey man, like we're you know this dude just took another job. I mean I don't know what you got going on, but you know would you be would you want to coach football here? And I'm like, uh, you know, at the time, I'm like, I only I mean, I don't really coach with you. That was like kind of my only experience. And, you know, I was like, kind of caught off by surprise. But um, I ended up, you know, going for it because I'm like, you know, I'll I'll learn as much as possible. That's kind of how I always was. I mean, I had a basis of of football knowledge. But, you know, to coach people, um, especially, you know, I, I was I was 21. So, I mean, these guys are around my age anyway. So it was kind of. You know, it was a little, you know it was a little. I was a little nervous at first, but um, I knew I would essentially kind of get into it. So um coached at Pace University for a couple of years full time, and um, after the 2009 season, the uh, the head coach got let go, and um, I went back home to Long Island. And I was kind of, you know, doing my own thing down there and working, and I was helping out with some high schools around there, and um, the OC that I was, the OC at Pace ended up getting the head job, Chris D'Apolito, who's... Um, Definitely one of my mentors, uh, you know, not only in football, but just, you know, life in general, you know, he's taught me a lot of stuff and um, I learned a ton of, ton of football from him. Um, You know, he ends up getting the head job and I basically, for the next four years after that, um, just, you know, on a voluntary basis, I would go up to, you know, during training camp and, and I would go up to every game and travel with the team and be up in the booth. And uh, there was some really, really great coaches, a lot of dudes with a ton of experience that played in the league. Um, you know, John Tice, which, which, you know, I am still talking to this day. He was, he was awesome. Uh, taught me a bunch of stuff and, you know, just a, a lot of really great guys, you know, Mike Mann helped us out. Um, it was awesome. So that's kind of where I learned a lot of my stuff. Um, and I really grew the passion there. And then 2013, I moved down to North Carolina, which is where I'm at now. And, um, later, you know, that, that following year, I ended up getting a job at Jack High School in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And um, I'm still here. I'm currently wide receivers coach and uh, I coordinate the pass game and I'm also the recruiting coordinator here. So um, it's been it's been kind of a, a different path than some of my guests um, in, in certain aspects. But uh, it's been awesome. And like I said, this is what I love to do. Uh, you know, I have aspirations of becoming a head coach someday. And um, it's just, you know, I plan on doing this for a very long time.
2: Coach what are some things you feel like you know i mean you're saying you know your long term goal is you want to be a head coach what what are some you know you we won't call them weaknesses but you know areas that you're really really looking to improve on or to learn a little bit more on
1: sure um you know just uh obviously from a from a head coaching standpoint, I think there's a ton of stuff that goes on um behind the scenes you know uh one thing i i I definitely uh need to kind of just focus on i think is is kind of like the, the budgeting and things aspect of that, that part. I think that's always a huge deal. Um, you know, coaches that are able to, you know, use their money wisely and be able to generate money um, through fundraisers and things like that uh, sponsorships. I think that's huge. Um, I think, you know, um, you know, as far as like dealing with administration, you know, that's something that I, I feel like I'm pretty good at. So, uh, but that's also another huge, I feel like key to being a head coach. Um, you know, dealing with parents is something I've, uh, you know, I've I've been accustomed to. I've been a JV head coach for a couple of years, um, but I think that could always, you know, that kind of can always improve just from different experiences because you know everybody's different. So um, you deal with different people all over. So that's something that I think I will go and, and improve with as you know my experiences take place. Um, you know, I think I think the, the budgeting thing kind of sticks out to me. Um, you know, right off the bat, just because, uh, you know, obviously as an assistant coach, it's not something I have to deal with, you know, so that would be brand new to me. And um, those are definitely things that uh, I would want to improve on. And then just from, uh, you know, a schematic standpoint, or just from a, uh, you know, football standpoint, um, you know, I've uh, reached out to a couple of coaches recently, just in regards to just bettering myself on some old line play. I mean, I had, I have an understanding for sure, but, um, you know, something that's, as far as the areas as as different positions that's one of the areas that I can I can certainly improve on um more than some of the other positions
0: I think uh you know that's the craziest part to me with with being a head coach is kind of like you touched on it's like some of that stuff there's there's nothing you can do to prepare yourself for it and like almost until you do it I mean yes you can prepare your a little uh, you know a little bit for budgeting and and some of those things but there's so many things a head coach does that, uh, like you said, sometimes you don't even realize because we're not even in that realm as assistants to where it's like, okay, now you're a head coach. Now, how are you going to handle this? How are you going to handle yeah. that? And and you're in it right now from the time you know very first minute that you get the job. No,
1: absolutely. And you know, it's you know sometimes it's trial by fire, but I think the best you know the best way to learn is is you know is through um, you know through your trials and, and and things like that. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna make mistakes. Um, And that's okay. But, you know, same thing like I tell the players, I mean, mistakes happen, but, you know, learning from the mistakes, that's the key. You know, if we continue to make the same ones over and over, then, you know, obviously, we're not, you know, not suited for it. But, um, you know, make your mistakes, learn from them, you know, push forward, you know, find the answers, reach out to your resources, lean on your mentors, um, you know, and just better yourself every day.
0: And then, you know, one of the one of the big ones that I, I try to work on even now as an assistant coach, but to a, obviously a much, much lesser degree is, and hopefully Walls can ex- expand on it because I'm not knowledgeable enough to talk on it too far because I, I really just heard it from Walls one time. It stuck out for whatever reason. But, you know, he talked about the, uh, the difference in just managers in general, uh, you know, between the really good ones and the really poor ones is, and I don't even want to say it's retention of people, but being able to retain and keep mm-hmm. the the high-level um, assistance that you have. I think, man, that is just so crucial on, uh, you know, giving those guys, you know, there's so many different things to it. And, Walls, hopefully, again, you can bail me out a little bit. But uh, it was something that you you sent me a whole article about it and, you know, just, just on the importance of being able to, when you're a manager, when you're a head coach, being able to keep those assistant coaches, being able to, uh, you know, keep those high level executives that are underneath you?
2: I think, I mean, it's huge, obviously, you know, good, good talented guys are going to go do another job just because that's usually what drives those guys. You know, they want to win. They want to be in charge. They want to do the things they can. So you kind of almost have to know, you know, what, what their personalities are like. If it's a guy that's really driven, you know, you're not going to keep him happy if you just suppress him and say, Hey, well, I want you to stay here as long as I can. I need to push that dude and then ultimately help him reach his goal. Like, Hey, you want to be a head coach? Mm -hmm. Cool. We're going to put you in these spots. We're going to teach you these things and we're going to keep giving you more and more responsibility. You know, if you have some of these younger coaches who you're maybe grooming to become coordinators someday, it's the same kind of deal. All right. you, You need to learn more football. You need to learn how to coach kids right now. You're the kids buddy. You're not really managing kids yet. You know, we need to work on how you teach. So I think, you know, finding the buttons that to push with those guys and, and not really micromanaging it, but just figuring out, dude, what, what's your goals? And uh, I'm right. here to, to help you reach your goals. It's the same thing with kids. You know, we want, we want to put the best team on the field. We want the kids to perform the best and win the most games and, and go on and go to the best colleges. It should be the same thing with your staff. I mean, whatever those guys' goals are. And if, if their goal is, you know what, I want to I be at Broken Arrow for the next 20 years, well, cool, I'm going to make you the best coach at Broken Arrow for 20 years. So I think it's, it's su- super, super important to get inside those guys' head and find out what really motivates them because once they know, and, and Harper just said it about retaining them, once they know mm-hmm. you have their best interest at heart, then those guys are going to want to stay and work for you. It's like, man, Coach Walls is a fun Absolutely.
1: guy to work for. I'd, I'd love to stay here because he cares about me. That's a great point. And, uh, you know, I think, I think it always goes back to just like, you know, just like getting players uh, to buy into what you're doing and, and to get players to play for you. I mean, I think it always starts with just good communication. You know, like you said, talking to the assistants, talking to your players, finding out what makes them tick, you know, seeing what they are as individuals away from football, you know what I mean? Getting an understanding on on what's important to them in life, and then you know you can get a basis on 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 what this person really is about and where he's trying to go, and then you know you do your best as as you know the higher up to to put him in the position to succeed. I mean, same same way, same way you know as as football coaches, you know we're gonna put you know you know Johnny at the at the left end because that's that's where you know Johnny's gonna be you know the most successful. You know, but Got to Got you know. Communications is, is always paramount. Always paramount. I feel like.
2: What are some ways you guys kind of kind of try to do that? Because I know it can be, you know, a, a little bit weird if you're just calling the kid into the office. I mean, what are what are some things you guys do to kind of try to you know build those relationships or, you know, keep that connection sure. rolling with kids?
1: Sure. Um, so for my group specifically, um, like I said, I, I coached wide receivers here, and um, last year was my first year. Uh, coaching the wide receivers at Jack Britt and one of the things that I did was um, every Wednesday you know we play on Friday so every Wednesday um, we typically had a shorter practice um, so once we got out of practice um, I had the kids change and we met in you know a couple times I had it you know it um, some it some room in, in, in the school like we typically went into the media center um, and I, I had cooked for them and we just you know sit and really just break bread and uh, my my goal um for it was just another another chance that we could spend time together, but not talk about football and I think that was always i I thought that was so key because they got to understand that you know it's not it's not just like you're not just my player, like I don't just care about you, you know when you got the shoulder pads on and the helmet strapped up, like I care about you as the individual like i, I i'm I'm sincerely. You know intrigued by what you have going on in your life, where you want to go, what I can do to help, so we would literally um you know just sit we'd eat for a while, and we just talk you know what I mean sometimes we'd watch some film, you know, but um for the most time for the most part, it was just a lot of just talking about you know just whatever was on their mind you know it could be the most you know it could be <laughs> the, the dumbest thing sometimes or the silliest thing sometimes, but it wasn't football, and it was just you know a chance for them to to be themselves and, and, uh, you know, get out of just the, 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 the player coach strictly business kind of uh, format. And it was just like, Hey man, you know, let's just, you know, what's on your mind. And I thought that was always great. Um, that's something that, you know, and, and then a couple, couple other position groups <clears throat> on the team, um, ended up doing certain things like that. Um, so I, th- and I think it was great. And you can see, you know, how these groups would, you know, come together a little bit closer, you know what I'm saying? And I, I, I do, you know, while it's not solely based on that, I do believe that, you know, it was in part because they had that chance to just kind of bond.
0: Yeah, I think any any chance you can get to really let those kids and, and it is you know about being around me as a coach and, and all that, but anytime I can I can uh you know, not force them, but have an opportunity where they get to hang out with each other. I think is is just right. a great thing because when they get home, you know, like you said, they're kind of done with football. Some of them are going to want to mm-hmm. go see their girlfriends, or some are going to play, you know, whatever games they play or, or do whatever. Where um, if you can get them away from football, but still have them together, let them just hang out as as buddies and as friends. And I think it's just a great way to really, like you said, build that up for them, and then also kind of show that. That you as the coaches, you're also a human too, you know. you I'm just a I'm a regular guy. Yeah, I love football. I know a lot about it now because I've been in it more than you guys have. But um, you know, I'm still just a still just a guy in the end. I'm still just a human being, and and uh, really care about you guys. So uh, you know, I think it, it's just such a like you said, such a big deal if you can just find some time to um, you know facilitate a place and a time for those guys to get to hang out and be around each other, be around each other outside the
1: football, um, you know, the football program. No doubt. And, uh, you know, I was just talking with one of my players uh, the other day and, you know, just explaining, and I think it's something that, you know, uh, the older you get, the more you appreciate it and understand. But I just think the most precious thing is time. So the, 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 the willingness to, you know, uh, offer up your time, your free time outside of practice, to spend time with these kids you know they notice that and, and and it's you know and if and if you do if you do enjoy it and you you know you are really into this then you, you shouldn't have a problem offering up the time but i mean it it's it's very much appreciated even if the kids maybe don't necessarily always acknowledge it you know i just you know time is so precious so like any availability that you can give i think it's so important
2: i agree i think the other thing you said too is you know, being able to to share meals together because, it, you know, yeah. let's be honest, you, you don't know how many of them don't have a chance to maybe, you know, sit at home and have an actual meal, you know, or, you know, throw something in the microwave, but, you know, whether mom and dad are working or mom and dad aren't there, you know, or, or you know, yeah. their brothers and sisters are all over the place and there's so many activities and things that are going on for them to have one or two times a week where they can actually sit down with a, a good rail, male role model and. BS and shoot it and actually you know have a meal. I just think you know for whatever reason and I don't know if there's research out there. I'm sure there is, but I mean that to me that's just it's part of kind of growing up and maturing as a guy, you know. And I think there's a lot of places if you if you study like the MMA and and UFC, Mm -hmm. a lot of these guys do the same thing. You know, they'll go bash each other's brains in for practices and and hit stuff and and run around and kill their bodies, and then at the end of the day they all go out together
1: and they get something to eat. So I mean, there's a lot to be said about no, yeah, that camaraderie. Awesome. Absolutely, no, I, I completely agree, hundred percent.
0: Well, Coach, say so you you know, uh, a receivers coach. It's your first year uh, at that school with the receivers. So uh, you know, kind of the it's it's always been my kind of running joke. But my big headache would be having to coach either receivers or defensive backs, <laughs> just because the ones that you see not always at the high school level, but a lot of the yeah. you know, the very skilled position kids can can at times be headaches for guys and and um and but but on a more serious note i mean when when you're coaching them it's just so dependent on every other position does the offensive line block long enough for the quarterback to be able to throw it to you can do you have a quarterback that can throw it to you do you you know you could have a perfect release Mm -hmm. is he at least looking at the right guy and and able to get it to you you know and then um you add on all of that and then you also have to know who to block and when you can block and And there's so many different things. So, um, you know, I'm sure there's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, different struggles and time management that you need when working with receivers, because there is just so many things that you've got to get done and uh, so much trust that you've got to put in on all the other positions. So you can
1: do your job. Right. No, absolutely. And, um, I I love coach walls. has said this to me when we spoke and I I love it. And I think it's, it's so true. And, you know, I think I think coach you were saying he kinda of getting heat for it, but saying the receiver was the most important position on the team, but mainly for the fact that, you know, the guys in that room could really, you know, break a team apart in a sense. Just because of, you know, you, you sometimes get those uh, certain kind of demeanors or attitudes in that room. Um, that's you know, so to, to keep them in check and and to make sure they're they're bought into the team could be you know make or break that season um you know we we i think everybody understands how um you know one or two people really could you know if they're not going in the right direction or the same direction as everybody else um it could really derail what you have going on so uh, to win that room over you know and get them to buy in to what you have going on and, and you know play selflessly um and just be selfless individuals is I think the most important. And I, you know, of course that goes with every position. You want selfless individuals on the team. That's important. Um, receivers for sure. You know, it's, a, it's a, depending on your offense, you know, you can have, you know, if you go, you know, 10 personnel and you got four guys out there, I mean, one out of four is getting the ball. So the other three, you know, what are they going to be like? Are they going to be upset about it? Or, oh, Hey, I was open, but really weren't open. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, we all, we all get that a bunch. Um, one of the things that I do uh, that you know, to, to kind of, you know, show that, you know, we are selfless and we are about the team is uh, my biggest, I guess, my biggest coaching point with these guys is, is, is perimeter blocking or blocking in general. You know, I, I never have to tell a receiver, um, you know, or, or beg a receiver or, you know, or get him jacked up about catching a pass or, or, you know, running a crisp route and catching a touchdown or, or making a fun, you know, a, a good release. You know, I know I don't have to do that, but, you know, getting a dude to block, buy in on the blocking um, is, is something that, you know, you, you do need to get across because, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about when it's, you know, when it's the runs going away from you and you're on the backside, you know, you're potentially that, that touchdown block. Of course, hey, 30-yard gain is, is huge and we're happy about it, but if you would have just sprinted your tail off and cut that, you know, backside safety off, it's a touchdown. And maybe that's a make a break between a, you know, a win and a loss. So, um, you know, we, we, we harp on blocking all the time here. Um, you know, we, we, on Mondays, we get right after, I think Monday for us when we get, you know, get out on the field, that's a, that's a perfect day to just start the week off with some, some contact when we get into a uh, individual drill called man up Monday. We get in there, we work it every single, every single Monday, we work our blocking um, and, you know, throughout the week, of course, while we're in different drills, but, um, we I, I make sure to always, always, always harp on the importance of, of blocking through the whistle, you know, being physical, setting the tone, having good technique. But you have to, if you, you know, if you're going to play for me, you've got to buy into the run game. You've got to buy into the perimeter blocking. And doing that just, you know, makes everybody it just becomes, you know, it's, it's about the team, showing that it's about the team. It's not, you know, it's not just, hey, you're going to go 100% when, when you got a, a nine round. You know what I mean?
2: Coach, I, I agree with you, man. And, and to clarify for listeners, I'm not saying that receiver's the most important position on the team. What I, what I would well, say you know, is, you know. <laughs> I know, I know what you're saying. I got, I got all these, I'll get all these offensive line guys all angry at me. But <laughs>
1: nah. Well, you know, well, it, was just, it was that point. Yeah, it was that point. I know. What that you're point, which is just, a great point though.
2: Yeah, well, as I was I say, what I'm saying is is it's super important on a team because the offensive line already hates the receivers. Right. right. They can't stand them. They're like, you guys you guys aren't in the mix, you guys aren't in, in, in the, the violence of the game and, and you don't know what it's like, all that. So I mean there's an instant division right there. And the, the instant that you can create that division to be as small as possible by making your guys yeah. unselfish and making your guys likeable and making your guys part of the squad. Now all of a sudden that, that whole thing can go out the window, right? So I just think right. it's super important to make sure that those guys are, are part of the team and that they're, you know, congratulating their offensive line. They love their offensive Absolutely. line. And when that stuff happens, you, you'll see all kinds of great things happen for an offense. Whereas the, the alternative of that, if, you know, you got guys that all they do is complain and the offensive line already hates those guys anyway, it just creates that instant riff on a team. So people talking about teamwork, teamwork, teamwork. Well, you're not ever going to have that because there's just that natural riff between, you know, the guys that work hard and you're in the mix and the guys that maybe are a little bit prima donna-ish.
1: No, that's very true. Very true. And, and that, like I said, that was, I love that point. I really did.
0: And another point you brought up is something that Walls has said for, you know, years, ever since I first met him, was that you know, receivers are the ones that take – uh five ten twenty yard gains and turn them into touchdowns you know you, you yep. if you're gonna watch a team that breaks long runs it's because receivers are blocking safeties or someone's blocking That's safety it. maybe you got two tight ends your backside tight ends getting into a safety but you know a lot of times uh, it's going to be a receiver and and if your receivers are going to get in there and dig out safeties you're going to have some big runs because those safeties are the ones um stopping you know, the big runs or the, or the deep runs that nothing behind them kind of runs. And so, uh, right. you know, when receivers are blocking those guys, you get these big, long runs. And especially, um, you know, with, with kind of how defenses are going now and how mm-hmm. wide they want to play their linebackers, but then just screw down some of their safeties and let them play in the run fit. Uh, you, know, and, and, you know, there's only so many guys the line can account for where if you can get a receiver that's in there, can really dig those guys out. Uh, you know, that that's where your numbers come from. That's where your big gains come from. And so uh, – and on top of that, when your linemen get to see, you know, it was something that we did at Broken Arrow, our, our receivers did an unbelievable job of physically blocking, you know, being very physical. Mm-hmm. So it was something I could do in, in in game film. I'm watching them and I'm saying, hey, guys, look at all these other guys that are working their butts off for you guys too. Look at the receiver killing yeah. you here and this. And, and like you both said, it just – it's an automatic – it just brings those two groups together and that whole offensive group together.
1: Without a doubt. And at the end of the day, I mean, you know, I think, I think the mental aspect of, 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 of a game is huge. So, like, when you come out there and you're relentless with your physical play and you're hitting from the first whistle to the last whistle, I mean, it really sends a message. You know what I mean? I, I explain to our guys all the time, like, you know, you come out there, I mean, from the first snap, I mean, we're being physical, we're getting good strikes, we're driving people, we're blocking through the whistle you'll notice as the game goes on, you know, you're you're kind of getting a little bit more space here and there. You know what I mean? Cuz guys don't guys don't enjoy getting hit in the mouth all night long. So, you might get a little more space and now things are opening up a little bit more for you. So, um, you know, it 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 goes a long way. You know, we want to set that physical presence, you know, we want to we want to dictate the tone of the ball game. You know, we're going to bring this we're going to bring the thump every single time. You know, we're going to – I even told my guys, you know, we played a couple teams where, you know, sometimes the DBs bail back pretty far. And, and, you know, I was like, I don't care. I want you to, like, run, run them down, chase them down, because they got to know and they got to feel uncomfortable every single play. You know, yeah, you may not get, get to him because he's 20 yards down the field and he's kind of running away. But the fact that you're still on his heels, you know, running at him and making him uncomfortable, it goes a long way in the grand scheme of things on the mental side of the ball you know, the mental side of the game, excuse me, and um, it just, it just, it, it's just – just it's a great edge to win, you know. There's no doubt. And then
0: you, you watch the guys like um, – you know, and it's probably one of the only receivers that I actually know, but uh, <laughs> you, you watch like Larry Fitzgerald. that That's my favorite – maybe one of my favorite football players. And it's just being able – just because of what they can do with him. I mean, you'll see him go 11 personnel, motion him in, and they'll run like no. ice with Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah. Hey. Or, you know, run power and they'll let him seal off the backside or run inside zones, you know, split zone and he'll be the seal guy. And he's their big money, you know, receiver and, and seeing him be able to do that stuff. I mean, just let's, the, their offense obviously do so much and, and it's cool. Right. I'm sure everyone on the team loves that guy.
1: Oh yeah. Ultimate teammate. You know what I mean? Like he's just, a, he's, he's going to, he's willing to do whatever. And you know, he's, he's physical, he's, you know, and he's, arguably one of the you know the best receivers ever to play. So
2: I think it's crazy too because you'll start to see guys especially you know when you start digging up safeties, you know, it, it might not be the first quarter, or the second quarter, but maybe you get into that second half, the third and fourth quarter and I was kind of liking it to those body shots that guys are throwing, mm-hmm. you know, like those body shots pay their toll later on in the in the game. Yeah. But you'll you'll see some of those dudes start to ole blocks and then they get out of gap or they'll they'll misfit yep. something, and that's all of a sudden when the when the home run hits, you know, or you're trying to run out the clock, you know, in four minute offense, and you've been hammering this guy the, the entire game and push crack, and all of a sudden he lays one, and we yep. pick up a big first down, and the and the game's over. So I mean, you never know when those those body shots are going to take effect, but the, those guys notice that stuff, and they get tired of getting blocked, they get tired of getting hit, and maybe now they get a 15 yard penalty. That that's the stuff that we live for, right? It's the, that mental yeah. game that you want to continuously play with those, those DBs constantly. The other thing I always tell them is like, when you knock them down, they're they're wasting more energy trying to get back up. Right. And I know Harper says that all the time with his offensive line, it's the same principle. You know, you get knocked down, you have to lift yourself up, push yourself up. You're a 300 pound lineman, you know, you're going to get tired. And the same thing happens as a DB when you're planting a dude, planting a dude, and he's got to lift himself up. He's not going to cover you as well in the fourth quarter.
1: Plus, it's disheartening as crap. <laughs> yes, <it is. laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I Put on your butt every other play. You're like, man, I, I don't know if I signed up for this. So that's and like, I mean, that's what we're looking for, and that's why that's why I harp so much on it. The fact that hey, keep plugging away, keep hitting, keep being physical. It'll open up for you as the game goes on, just like you said, coach. I mean, by that third, fourth quarter, you know, they're 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 avoiding you as opposed to you know trying to fight through you. They might do it for the first few. You know, you hit him, he gets mad, he hits you back, do it for a first few. But then after a while, um, you know, like you said, those body shots, man, it wears, it wears somebody down.
0: Coach, did you say you were all, you've also been the uh, junior varsity head coach? I was – uh, oh.
1: yeah, I was, I was the, uh, the JV head coach in 2015 and 2016.
0: Did you guys – so when were your JV games uh, in, in Carolina? Is it, is it on a Monday or Thursday?
1: Thursdays, Yeah, we play on Thursdays. Thursdays.
0: Okay. See, that's how Texas does it, too. We're, I think, you know, it's obviously probably a little bit of a bias, but we get to do it on Mondays, and it's been, you know, obviously I'm really, really excited we get to do it on Mondays because our kids mm-hmm. can kind of play in both and, and be fresh for the second one. So, uh, so then the kind of other difference is uh, in certain states on Thursdays, that means they – like I know in uh, Nevada, if they play in JV, they can't play in varsity. Is that how it is right. with you guys, or do they get six quarters in those two nights? Uh,
1: they, they actually get eight quarters. Okay. So, yeah, you, you can eight-quarter a kid, and, you know, just like you said, they can play – I mean, they can play in the JV game and then, you know, suit up and, you know, obviously a snap would equal a quarter, but they can get up to eight quarters.
0: Okay, well, that makes it nice then because, you know, those kids have – because I always thought about that, like with, uh, you know, like I said, with Nevada – you know they they get one they get to be in one of those games at least it was at the time and so if you're starting a guy on junior varsity he doesn't he has no chance to be in that varsity game and then you're also losing a bunch of reps for kids that you know should be getting reps so uh, i'm sure that makes it a little bit nicer when you you know you're trying to get these kids up to play and get better for junior varsity that you can suit uh, all those kids up uh, even though i'm sure the next day with it being the next day the varsity game it's got to be a little bit um a little challenging in, in the fact of who, who plays, how long do they play, because they might serve a right. role. You know, if it's a backup quarterback, he, you don't want him getting hurt for the next game, you know, right. the next day. So I'm sure there still is a little bit of a balancing act with that as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. Our, our head coach right now kind of kind of stayed away from the, the eight-quarter stuff. Now I've been, you know, the, the head coach before. We, I remember us eight-quartering a few more guys, and, you know, some of them ended up transitioning to, hey, man, this guy – You know could help us out and you know they ended up moving up to varsity uh, mid-season but yes it's it's definitely something that um you know teams will do um we're actually in in our conference specifically um they so they used to in a lot of so two of us and another team got moved into this conference a couple years ago now the conference before um with a bunch of these other teams they were actually even allowed to play uh, juniors on, on JV. So some of the juniors that couldn't you know, that weren't getting a ton of reps sure. um, on varsity sure. would get placed on JV. When they formed this new conference, they kind of got rid of that rule. Not everyone was a big fan of it. You know, we, in our County, um, we were never allowed to play juniors on, on uh, JV in our County. Once a junior, you know, once you become a junior, you automatically have to play varsity. So um, I thought that was, you know, it, I mean, I, I could see the advantage of it for sure. You know, I mean, we've had some juniors that, you know, didn't get a ton of playing time, and it would be great if they can get some kind of, you know, action. I think, you know, obviously um, just the, the, the live game reps is so important. So, you know, if you can offer it up to a kid, it's only going to make them better. But, you know, you got to work with what you got.
0: Yeah, we get to go – we get to go, um, you know, I think anyone that, that they want to for junior varsity can do it, which is – kind of nice for the kids that you know like you said are juniors or even maybe you know some kids that aren't very good seniors um that that'll never play varsity but they still they practice their butts off and they'll actually get to play in a football game and it, right. you know obviously it makes those kids that's what they're there for is playing a game no matter how good a teammates they are they uh, you know they want to play in a football game and so like you said it helps develop some juniors but also kind of allows kids to Play in football games, which is why why they're all out there. But um, it's just it's it's a cool deal for those guys. But like you said, if it, if it's just the young kids, then they're going to be you know a lot of development for those kids because you're getting those guys ready. And then um, I would assume being the JV head coach for that, uh, those sophomore groups, a lot of it would be about you know, and I really don't like this word. I just don't have a great word for it. But it's just developing your school's your varsity's culture in that JV group.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. You know, I mean, obviously, as any, you know, if you're a competitive person, you know, winning football games or games in general is what you want to do. But, yeah, I mean, you know, getting these guys ready for the next level, the next step, making sure, you know, they're understanding, you know, the terminology and, you know, their techniques are good and all that stuff. I mean, that's kind of the, you know, the most important thing. So, like, you know, once you make that next step, from JV to varsity, it's just a seamless transition. You know, that's what we're looking for. Coach, how many JV games do you guys play down there? Um, we, play, we play 10. So nice. the varsity, uh, varsity plays 11. So the first game is what we call an endowment game. Um, that's the only one that the JV doesn't play.
2: Yeah, see, I've I, always been a big proponent of trying to play as many of those games as you can. You know, and I always liked it at Broken Arrow when Dave would even find some of those other uh, – uh, Dave Alexander, the head coach of B.A., would, would find, you know, three or four other, like, sophomore games because, you know, you'd have a roster that was pretty big and you could split your JV kind of in half and and actually go play another game with some of those guys. I just think, you know, and you guys have said it, I mean, live game reps, you can't replicate that stuff in practice. No. And when you're, you're trying to build a program, and, you know, I, I still see some of these programs that, you know – well we we don't have enough guys let's let's chop this jv game i mean that that stuff just bothers me because yeah you know i i i get it you may you may have you know you may get beat you may get stomped or whatever but those kids still want to play you know i i've i've yet to meet a kid who who you know is playing on a so-called lower level team where he just doesn't want to go play in a game they all want to play even if they're going to get, you know get beat or they're overmatched by somebody because of numbers
1: whatever it might be it's still a chance for those kids to to go play and get after it. Absolutely. And honestly, it just kind of goes back to, you know, I mean, if if, that, if that's the case, and say a game drops off, like, you know, as the the, the head coach of that, that program, um, the entire program, I mean, you know, if the development of these players is important, then I mean, you're, you're, you know, exasperating all measures to, to try to find a fill in and, yeah. and, and get it done, you know what I mean, or, or figure something else out, maybe, you know, uh, uh, an inter-squad scrimmage or something just to get, you know, just to get that action in. But, um, yeah, no. I mean, the game reps are, are what's important. So it's you know trying trying to get as many games as possible for sure.
0: That's a great point. We had a we had a team come in for a JV game from Arkansas. I mean, it's a completely different state. Now it wasn't a crazy drive, but it was still a two-hour hour and a half, two-hour drive just to come in and and play a JV game. Like you said, just kind of build up that program and get those kids game reps. And I'm sure it was uh, you know beneficial for them. I know it was beneficial for us. So uh, you know any, anytime you can get those kids out there and doing that uh, as you as you both said is is kind of a cool deal do you guys play um the team that you're about to play in varsity the night before yes sir yeah we so do does that. that does that have any bearing on on kind of what you guys because that's that would always be the crazy part <laughs> to me is, is always <laughs> like you're working okay we're gonna block power like this we're blocking it like this yeah. with all your kids and then it's like Okay, now it's time to play that team in junior varsity. But it's like, I'd uh, rather not show. That's how we want. It. We don't want to yeah. show. How to arc the six. We'd rather base the six. And so, is is there a little bit of that that goes into it, or or is that my yeah. just kind of overthinking it?
1: No, for sure. I mean, you know, you don't want to. You know, if there's if there's uh, you know a couple of different things that we've been doing, you know, with our with our um, JV, you know, they, we've actually these past couple years. Um, so we used to practice all together. And then now we've kind of gone separate. We kind of have a separate staff that now now they run our stuff, but you know, like, you know, they're, you know, coordinators, they can add like their own wrinkles to it. So if they have a couple different concepts that they might add, you know, it's different than what we're doing. Like the base is going to be the same, you know, we'll have the same terminology and, and, you know, and signals and things like that. Um, but they'll do, you know, a few different, you know, some some different stuff. Obviously, you know, in varsity we can get a little more advanced with what we do. But um, no, for sure. I mean, you know, you know, there's there's certain things where, like, you know, we'll have a home JV game, and and uh, you know, we're finishing up our walkthrough, and and you know, the other teams JV with their coaches come on the field or or you know, come into the stadium. So. You know, maybe we were about to run something and we'll just kind of hold off on it if, if it's something that, you know, we wanted to show on Friday and not, you know, <laughs> right then and there. So, I mean, it's you know, it's, it's a constant, constant chess match. You know, I'm, I'm someone that, uh, I'll be honest, Coach, I'm someone that, you know, of course, you don't want to show everything. But at the end of the day, for me, my biggest thing is like, I mean, you still got to stop it. You know what I mean? I can, you can see what we're running on film. You can get the tendencies. You know, you still got to prove that you can stop it. I think that's always a big thing. I, I, I'm a firm believer in that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like I said, I'm not going to sit there and give you our playbook or anything like that. But um, you know, you can you can know that you know power's coming or, or, or inside zone or four verts, but um, you know you still got to stop it. So
2: I love that. <laughs> I, think <it's, laughs> I think that's hilarious. It's like the the guys that are like wa- watching warm ups from the box. Hey, what, what are they, they running? What are they running in warm up? Yeah. Oh, they, yeah, dude, it's they just funny. went through their entire first script. I got them all down. Yeah, they're, they're going to run <laughs> yeah. these 20 yeah, plays, because, bro.
1: It's funny because, and I, I can't remember, um, it's a school up in New Jersey, and I think they just won the, uh, the state championship maybe, like, I know it was – I'm pretty sure it was last year, maybe, maybe this year. but um, So he was talking about, you know, in, in their pregame warm-ups, all they do is run trick plays. That's all they do is run trick plays in their pregame. That is it. Like, they're literally just – that's. Just trick play after trick play after trick play the entire time. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was hilarious. Like, I'm just, you know, for the other team to sit there and be like, what the heck is going on? And the coaches are like, man, they're lining up like this. What are they doing? Like, you know what I'm saying? And, and now they just have no idea what's going on. And then they just come out and run their, their stuff, you know?
0: Yeah, I, I got two kind of funny stories <laughs> like that. So, this year we had like three or four weeks in a row where teams would just come out and be in completely different defenses. I mean, nothing like they had done. And so – uh, we got certain coaches that kind of want to look over there, and and they'll they'd kind of come up to me or whatever, because I'd be talking. Oh, I'm interested to see what they end up coming out in this week, and and seeing what adjustments we're gonna have to make, and and they'd come up to me and be like, "Coach, it looks like they're in base front," and I'm like, "Yeah, guys, they're not gonna show their new defense that they're gonna <laughs> throw out to us right before the game starts." Yeah. Okay, I I they're got run,
1: you. They're running back. Yeah, running yeah. back like they had they found like the secret formula. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's right. Yeah, okay, yeah. I know they're base. it's warm pregame warm up. They're not going to show anything. And then the other funny part is we'd see like we saw I saw like two teams this, this year that we, you know, we're under center quite a bit and that's what people want to stop and so watching the, uh, you know, another teams JV try to run under center uh two back power is just comical and and the ball's flying around and they don't know how to reverse out and hand off or take a snap. Right. It's just really, really comical to
2: watch. Oh, <laughs> Coach, yeah. you're going to be 4-2-5, four, four, cover four the whole game. <laughs> We're going to run for exactly. 600
1: yards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's funny. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, it's, I think mean, it's a constant chess match with, with coaches trying to figure things out. and You know, they're, hey, we, we should do this. Let's hold back. Let's not do this. They're looking at, I mean, you know. <laughs> the other other
0: funny one and I guess I get it if you're trying to make any little any little step up you can but it's like certain sometimes coaches will be like okay don't let's let's show that and it won't be a quarterback it'll be like a linebacker someone that doesn't matter really okay we're gonna we're gonna put him in a jersey and pretend like he's playing and then the game's out there then then that's the first time they'll know he's not playing and I'm just like well I don't think it really matters yeah and nice to know if that guy's playing or not but in the grand scheme, they're going to know in five minutes anyways. But they, right, they go exactly. all through this big thing to make sure uh, either you think he is or isn't playing or whatever. And then in the end, it doesn't matter because in five minutes, you're going to see who's playing. That's when you overthink yourself,
2: right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's always
1: comical. To me. For sure. For sure. <laughs> my, my,
2: my, I guess, the one I always do, and, and maybe it's right or maybe it's wrong, but when you're on the sideline, like coming off of a timeout – or the quarter is I like to have like all, all the offensive guys in the huddle. So like all your personnel guys. So, so the guys oh, in the booth, okay. booth don't know if it's 21 or if it's 12 or if it's oh, yeah. 11.
1: Now I that's like always,
2: that. I think that's a good one.
1: Yeah. I like, you know, I like <laughs> that too. You so know that's that's
2: so I'll i hold out. up with everybody out there. So, I mean, it, especially <laughs> if it's a defense that does change personnel's, you know, if, if it's, you know, the university of Iowa, it runs the same defense, it really doesn't matter, but I mean, I, that was always kind of my biggest one, to, to hold them in there as long as you could and then shoot them on the
1: field. No, that's great. That's the first thing they're calling out. So, I mean, it, this is uh, very strategic, man.
0: We tried to – I tried to make sure, you know, we, we did that. Um, you know, our coordinator's up in the box, and so I – you know, they'd kind of huddle up a little bit around me or whatever, but I tried to, to make sure we did that, like, on timeouts or, mm-hmm. you know, we, we were on a two-quarterback system this year. We just had two really good quarterbacks, one that mm-hmm. – could. Throw the ball in one that was a you know freak athlete, and so tried to make sure both of them. Even though we'd already called one or the other, tried to make sure both of those guys stay in the huddle on the sideline until it breaks, and so give them as little time as possible uh, to to know what what personnel we're coming out into because we had some some you know fairly fairly big tendencies on on uh, certain personnel. Okay. Yeah.
1: I, I think got, it, yeah.
2: No. I think it makes sense, man. I think the the longer you can do that, because I mean that's. Defenses. I mean, most of the, the the good DCs out there. A lot of it all starts with what personnel you're in. So the better you can hide mm-hmm. it, I think. Hey, man, one or two plays. If it gives me an advantage, you dang right, I'm taking it. Hey, because hey, it
1: can come down to one or two plays. So you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm.
2: It really helped
0: us out. Um, you know, we would almost the entire year we'd been working our tight end. All he did was play tight end. We had a tight end and we had a fullback. But you know, so eleven personnel. He was always in line, and, you know, it kind of narrowed down what we could do. We didn't really run counter. We didn't run, you know, certain things. And so, all year we'd been working him at some fullback, mostly to kind of back up our fullback. If something happened, we put another lineman at tight end. But we'd just been working it all year, all year, all year. And then, you know, kind of by that last game, um, we'd put in some stuff where it was 11, and we'd put the tailback out like empty almost, and then uh, back that tight, you know, shift him back. and now. It completely changes all their personnel, all their thoughts they had going into it, and um, we hit you know a couple of pretty big plays off of that because um, you know they were coached up really really well. I I believe with as far as what's our personnel? Okay, if he's on this side, right. or this side, and now you, you put a big wrinkle in it, they're thinking it's eleven, so they're only going to get these certain plays. Now it's empty, something we haven't done, and our and our, um, our you know our running quarterbacks in there, but now our tight ends back at fullback, and so. Uh, just kind of changed up all the rules, all the things they'd been working on that whole year, just because every couple of, you know, every few snaps of practice, we worked our tight
1: end at fullback. That's awesome. And, you know, at the end of the day too, I mean, you know, they're, you know, these are teenagers and uh, you know, you know, to sometimes to to force them to, you know, to think in these precious pressure situations on the fly. I mean, you can catch somebody off guard, you know, so to change things up or, or, or show a different look that maybe looks like, you know what I mean, Uh, you know, to get somebody to make a wrong call or or not make the right call, you know, puts you at an advantage. So I think, you know, when you do things like that to get them to, you know, think more on the fly, you know, or have to check and things like that, I mean, you know, you're you're, you're prone to, you know, getting somebody to make a mistake, which would certainly put you at an advantage.
0: Well, I think especially, like you said, with these – with the really well-coached defenses, I think it really messes with them you know, and maybe not the really well, but the ones that have the coordinators that are really smart and they want to have certain auto checks to this and we're going to line up like this in yeah. this. If you can motion or trade or shift, I mean, now the communication has got to go everywhere uh, in, the, in the backfield and they're going to switch from this to this. And there's just so much communication that has to go on with those really
2: well-coached teams. I think yep. the other thing that it, that it hits too is, you know, with all the, the technology – you know, everyone's got the, the sky coach or the huddle sideline. All of a sudden now you, you've you shown a couple of those things and they go to the sideline. Well, now they spend, you know, the next three, four minutes making that adjustment and then you never go back to it <laughs> and they forget about, they forget about the other stuff you have in it. So, I mean, it just kind of does that little misdirection. They, you know, their, their mind share, Hey, Hey, there's this new personnel, new play, new this, and here's how we'll stop this. And all of a sudden, boom, you shift gears and you go to something else. And they they pretty much kind of waste their time making the adjustment to what you just did.
1: No, uh, no, that's a great point, coach. That's a great point.
2: Well, coach, we're kind of we're coming up on
0: an hour, so you know the the last question I normally ask guys is is uh, when you're watching an offensive line, so either your offensive line or even let's say you know a different team's offensive line, you're watching them on film. Uh, what's some things they'd be doing uh, that would make you think really highly of their offensive line, coach?
1: Um. I- you know, for me, you know, something that I've always I always talk about with 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 players and all everything. I think this is a, a mark of at any position is just, you know, finishing, finishing through the whistle, uh, being physical, you know, like with the offensive line. I mean, watching guys walk through the whistle, drive people into the ground, finish them while they're on the ground. Um, I think, you know, seeing that I'm like, man, that, you know, that coach knows what he's doing. Um, he's got these guys geared up. He's got these guys you know playing at an extremely high level you know they're they're passionate about um you know run block and pass block or whatever it is um you know and, and they're just and they're just dialed into to their job and what they have to do and and they're all about just getting mean and nasty you know what I mean? And that's where the action happens in the trenches so watching guys finish um finish off off defenders and, and whatnot is, is is always the best for me man
0: As well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at harper_coach and Coach Walls at CoachBradyWalls. Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.